The Fan. How you been? Fabulous. How are you? Good. Thad Levine, uh, general manager of the uh, Minnesota Twins, victorious yesterday as they were able to uh, meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad, against uh, another shade of a Motor City kitty. And uh, wow, what a what a start for the new kids on the block. Holy cow. Bulmer holds, Lopez saves, Leon two of three uh, with two RBI. I, I get the marathon, not sprint. You're going to play again today uh, against a very good pitcher and a very good team. But seriously speaking, it could have gone the other way where Fulmer doesn't hold, Lopez gets killed, and Leon strikes out three times. What uh, what a terrific start, Thad. You, you know, it's, it, it was a great, it played out extremely well. And I think one thing we can't underestimate is when these guys get traded, there is a transition period typically, and you see a lot of the guys who did get traded at the deadline, had a little bit of a hiccup in their first outing, and I think that's just natural. So the fact that our guys performed as well as they did was really encouraging. And you, know, you, you look at the pen now, and you know we didn't use Duffy yesterday or Pagan or McGill. Uh, and, and so we've got and Jackson. So we got real options going into today, and I think that was our goal was to kind of lengthen the pen and by so doing shorten the game a little bit. Now, uh, obviously, you know, through I think it uh, was 40 appearances for Fulmer before you traded for him. 39 into the series, and he threw a couple of pitches in that first game early. I'm like, hey, well, let's just have him walk over. I said this on the radio. Let's just have him walk over to our clubhouse right now. But then, but you know, then he got a little wild, and and that's going to happen. But nevertheless, with Fulmer, he he's fascinating to me because of his journey. I mean, since he was rookie of the year when he was a starter, uh, what's his journey been like, and and why did he move to the bullpen? You know, Paul, he, he had some injuries. He had some significant injuries through the course of the beginning part of his career. But as you mentioned, he was really, you know, on that vaunted Mets team where they were producing a lot of really exciting starting pitchers, he was top of the heap, and he was the guy who won won the rookie of the year. He had a, a four-pitch mix, and I think what's happened over time is that you know, due to some injuries, he's reinvented himself as a reliever, and now he's coming out throwing fastballs in a, in a turbo slider, which we think has – the ability to really neutralize great right-handed hitters, of which we've got a ton in the American League Central. So both he and Jorge Lopez are examples of guys who maybe didn't exactly achieve everything they wanted to as starters, had pitches to get guys out, reduce their pitch mix a little bit, and now we're experiencing some tremendous success out of the pen. Well, Lopez comes from the O's, uh, Leon from the Guardians, and, and Fulmer from the Tigers. So there were two trades here that, that involved division teams. Uh, but specifically, the team a game behind you, is it – is like trading with the team that's trying to ruin your season and run you down with somebody that close. I mean, is it difficult? Was it difficult trading with Cleveland? I, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. And, and, you know, we also had a lot of healthy dialogue with Kansas City throughout the process because they, they also had some arms that were particularly interesting and some of whom got traded as well at the deadline. So I think there are teams that have different philosophies. Our philosophy is we're open to trading with all 29 clubs. Not all teams look at it that way. They do view it as, you almost have to pay a premium to, to make a trade within division, especially in the Cleveland case when we're both trying to go for it right now. That that trade was a, a you know a little bit of a, a need for need where they they got Ian Hamilton to help bolster their depth in their pen. We got Sandy Leone to really help an immediate need at a catcher, 
with Jeffers going down, with our hope that Jeffers will be able to come back and contribute. Those are very rare deals indeed in division with teams that are competing with each other. In this case, I think they were they're deals of, of the magnitude that both sides were comfortable proceeding with. Uh, Thad Levine, GM for the Minnesota Twins. We hooked the Blue Jays at Target Field tonight. Blue Jays are a fun watch, so if you're looking for something to do, go on and head out to that game. Uh, but um, uh, not for this year with Fulmer, okay? And potentially a dumb question here, but... Is there is there any chance he ever starts for you guys? I mean, is that or is he like bullpen guy forever? You know, I, I think some of these guys who have experienced the shift that he has and the success that he has, I think he's probably going to be inclined to stay in the pen. That's obviously a personal question for for Michael, but I just, just with the success he's experienced and the ability to stay healthy in that role, I think has been a really a step forward where he's vaulted forward. But as we mentioned earlier, both he and Lopez are examples of guys who really developed throughout their careers as starters transition to the pen and experiencing tremendous results, I think they may stay in those roles for the foreseeable future. With uh, with the former Red, Tyler Molly, uh, what, what, are, what are the expectations for him? Uh, greatness. We're hoping for greatness. You know, we, we think with adding Molly to, to a, a rotation that has a lot of veterans, some upside rookies and guys developing, I think we feel now we're competitive not only competitive to, to, to really stay in this race in the American League Central, which is becoming extremely heated down the stretch and should be a lot of fun for our fans to watch, but also if we find ourselves in a playoff situation, we feel like we've got the ability to match up with some of the better teams in the American League. So Mally, I think, is a guy who we think fits in very nicely at the top of our rotation, uh, you know, with Sonny Gray, with, with Joe Ryan and, and Bundy and, and Archer rounding out the, the crew. And I think we feel like we're in a really competitive position now to, to, to fight tooth and nail to try to win the central. What, uh, what Mally, what, um, what does he throw when he's going really well uh, to get you out? So, you know, T- Tyler is a guy who can, can rely on his fastball. It's got a lot of movement arm side. Uh, so it's really, really tough on, on lefties. It's running away from them. And then he's got really a four pitch mix. So he, he's a guy who's going to come in with the full complement as a starting pitcher. He got off to a little bit of a, of a checkered start to, to the season but if you kind of isolate the last two to three months of performance, this guy is performing at an extremely high level. There were a lot of really talented uh, starters traded at this deadline. We were in conversations with a lot of them. We're really excited to have acquired Tyler Malley. Uh, now, with, um, uh, with, with, with the coaches, uh, uh, Peter Maki, uh is, is the pitching coach after West started to Louisiana State University and Colby Suggs moves into the bullpen. Uh, when, it, when, it comes to, when it comes to integrating uh, those coaches in the middle of the race, I mean, the race is taking place, and you guys happen to be running really quickly in said race. The the galvanizing of everybody with these coaches, how has that gone? You know, I, I think I think it's a it's a really it's a subplot to the season for the Minnesota Twins this year that most people don't really have to deal with, which is the exodus of what we felt was one of our our best major league coaches. Now, the good news is that Pete Mackey and Colby Suggs and our advanced team have been with this club for the last handful of seasons worked hand in hand with Wes Johnson. And so they, they've been uh, reared uh, under, under Wes for the last couple of years. And they also bring their own personal expertise. So I think we feel our pitching staff is in great uh, hands, but as you see, you know, there, there's a transition period when you're making changes from coach to coach. And that's why you typically don't see those done in season, especially for teams that are winning because there is a transitional period. I think we feel that that's in the rearview mirror at this point. And now we're hitting the ground running. The information that those guys provide is excellent. 
the relationships they have with our, our, our pitches, pitchers are certainly being bolstered on a daily basis, and I think we're ready to really shine now as a pitching staff. Now, now that you're um, into the second half of the season, and, and in fact we have less uh, fewer than two months to go in said season, and you're running a uh, you and Derek are running a first place operation. Uh, it 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 Carlos Correa. Now, now, I mean, we have an extensive amount of past performances with him. Uh, now, more so behind the scenes, and we've talked about this before, but, you know, now you're, it's just, you know, minds are starting to get tired and body, bodies start to get tired and it's hot. Um, and, and he's obviously had a, a, a ballyhooed career. What, what are some intangibles Correa is offering that just continue to impress you? Well, you know, I, I think his his view of the season all along has always been it doesn't end when the regular season ends. So he doesn't see that as an end date. And I think he's been communicating that throughout the course of the season, no no more prominently so than now, to our players, that we're, we're, we're looking to play well into October and we need to take care of our bodies and, and do everything that's necessary from a preparation standpoint to, to maximize our ability to not only finish the season strong, but also play within well within uh, October. So I think his... Mindset has always been to look towards a goal that has transcended maybe what some of our players have viewed in the course of a dogfight of a season. Now, all that being said, I think this is where guys like uh, Carlos really shine because this is the time where the season almost starts anew now, where we're effectively close to a three-way tie in the American League Central with a lot of games left with these teams. Every night is important. We can't look past that night. So I think what he's trying to manage is the sense of looking towards that goal line that's well within October, but also winning that night's game, winning every inning. And he talks about those things. Well, let's win the first three innings. Let's win the first inning. And I think he creates that mindset where there's an urgency, but also an air of confidence that we have the ability necessary to do what's cast in front of us, which is first win their division. And then secondly, let's poise ourselves to, to really make, make a deep run in the playoffs. Thad, if you guys are interested in having Carlos back after the season, and if he's interested in staying with that player option, are, are those chats after the season? You know, we, we, we'll always keep those kind of chats internal. Paul, like we, we, we would like, you know, when we signed him to the contract, we certainly had a, a dream and vision that it would, it would be a relationship that transcended a single season. And I would just leave it there. Like that, that has not changed whatsoever on our standpoint. We feel the best version of the Minnesota Twins would include him, and, and we would hope that, that he feels mutually uh, beneficial about us as well. With, uh, with, with trade deadline time, uh, which has come and gone, Thad Levine, GM, Minnesota Twins, um, and anybody call you just like ridiculously and embarrassingly trying to rip you off and like you almost want to hang up on him? <laughs> you know, we, we, do, we do get a few calls that are prefaced <laughs> by Hey, listen, it doesn't hurt for me to ask this. And, yeah. and I always remind them, it, it doesn't hurt if you don't care about your integrity. So go ahead and ask whatever you want to ask. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, so occasionally, you know, be- beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So everyone values players slightly differently. So I never take any ask personally. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, certainly some, some we consider a lot more than others. Uh, others we deride a lot more than others. So we kind of know the teams that take, take long shots at you and teams that are a little bit more sincere. That's part of scouting. You know, as much as we scout baseball players, we also scout the other GMs and know kind of how they do business. So we're prepared when you get a call from a specific team that the first ask may be a little bit of a reach, but they're going to get to it eventually. Other teams cut right to what is a fair deal right out of the shoot, and 
those are a little bit more of the enjoyable conversations. Oh, that's beautifully explained. And, you know, you and Derek, the one on the 1A here, uh, you guys have been here, you know, X amount of years now where it's not, it's not new. So, I mean, you're, you're established and, and you have equity with the Minnesota Twins. When it, when it comes to making deals or, or just like league-wide stuff, does does working with Texas or Cleveland and and people you know around the league is is that markedly easier than maybe with some other teams? You know, I, I think Paul, it's a, it's a great it's a great question, and I would say one thing that Derek and I do, and you know, I also include Daniel Adler and Jeremy Zoll, our two assistant GMs, Rob Anthony. Like we we have people who have really really strong relationships with almost all twenty nine of the other clubs, and we divvy up the conversations to kind of maximize our ability to kind of get to yes and get to fair deals as quickly as we can with the various teams based upon some of those existing relationships. I think those pay huge dividends so that it allows us to parallel path. We never have just one plan. We always have the ability to be flexible. When when Luis Castillo goes off the, the board, we're, we're right on to the next thing. Frankie Montas, likewise, because we're concurrently negotiating on a, a number of different fronts. We never boo-boo with it for too long and bemoan losses we just focus on the next opportunity to improve the team that's based upon those relationships that have been forged over years that we try to capitalize in these these most pressure-packed moments well yeah and, and and i guess what i'm getting at here from a relationship standpoint because it's incredibly underrated because it's it's rarely talked about but like you know being a general manager in major league baseball compared to the nfl you're you're in the same fishbowl you're just under different rocks and having those relationships may not cultivate a deal between team A and B, but it you guys can help each other with what's what you're hearing around the league and what you know is legit. Is that fair? I, I think it is, Paul, and I think furthermore, like I view every negotiation as to facilitate the next negotiation be going even smoother. So even if I don't get a deal done with you, maybe I hear a little bit in your voice what, what motivates you in a deal, right. what pressures you may be feeling in your own market from your owner, from your fans, from your manager, what have you. And so I'm able to hit the ground running a little bit faster next time I negotiate with you. So regardless of whether a deal comes to fruition, which as I'm sure you can imagine is probably one out of every 20 we pursue, I feel like there's something to be learned from each one of those conversations that builds on that relationship such that you can glean some information, as you mentioned, whether it's just about what's going on around the league or what's specifically going on in that market so that it can facilitate the next conversation with the team. Thad, Thad I'm, I'm guessing here, but I would imagine you guys fielded a fair amount of calls about Jose Miranda. Is that accurate? So, I, you know, I think we, we have what uh, – John Walkie, may he rest in peace, was a scout, longtime scout that I worked with in Texas, and he always said, you can prep out your players as best you can, but the league will tell you how valuable they are. And it's at these trade deadlines that you realize how valuable and how coveted some of your players are. Mm. And you highlighted Jose Miranda. He certainly is, is one of them. We have a young stable of position players and pitchers who have matriculated to the big leagues. Those guys were asked about in a vast majority of the trades we pursued. So too were a, a wave of talent that we have, some of whom we, we did ultimately trade, uh, but who are sitting here at high A, double A, triple A. And so, the future is, is bright for this franchise based upon the feedback we got at this trade deadline of how much the industry likes some of our minor league players and certainly some of our young players at the big league level. Time for a couple more with Bad Levine, general manager of the first place Minnesota Twins. They get the money yesterday and uh, all the newbies contributed with the exception of the former Reds pitch, uh, pitcher. Uh, uh, is it Molly or Maley? I, I think we, we have come to, it rhymes with rally, so rally. we understand it's Maley, but yeah. we're 
We'll certainly ask him when he walks across the door today. Tyler Malley, um, uh, Sonny Gray is going good for you guys into August. And, um, man, he, he's just, when, when he's on, he's a treat to watch. I mean, what an absolute crafty veteran. I think it might have been a game against the Padres. or I, I can't, It was within one of his last three starts. The way he was setting up his pitches to get exactly what he wanted, he was just in so much control. He's a pro's pro, isn't he? Well, you know, I, I think this is, this guy is a savvy veteran. He's extremely intelligent. Uh, if you see him behind the scenes prepare for his outings, you would not be surprised what you see on the mound. There's a level of intensity uh, on the day of his starts, which transcends his behavior on any of the other days. He is locked in from the minute he walks into the clubhouse to the minute he throws that first pitch to the minute he finishes his outing. And so he's one of those guys who you almost fear clear of on the day he's pitching because he's so focused on the job at hand, and you don't want to distract him whatsoever. But his his game planning pre, pre-game pre is exceptional, and I'm sure it's something he's learned over his career from veterans he's worked with, but it's now become actionable for him in games. And so when you see him succeed and succeed against some of the better pit hitters, it, it you, you look back to what he did in preparation, and there's no mystery how he's achieving that. His stuff is great, but his preparation is probably even better. And I think it's really rubbed off on a lot of our a lot of our young pitchers and I give credit, too, to Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy, just the, the, the pregame rituals these guys have in between start uh, routines that they have. I think it's really impacted guys like Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober and Josh Winder and some of the other young starters we've had come up, Devin Smelter. And I, I think those are the dividends that you don't necessarily see real time in the first year you have those players, but it really, over years, those guys will look back to the times that, that they had and the experiences that they got exposed to with those players and realize that those was what shaped them in, from good players to great players and great players to exceptional players. Sonny Gray's nickname, that is Pickles. Any idea why his nickname is Pickles? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't. I don't. I'll have to ask him if he's a Vlasic man. Yeah, and, and one of your new pitchers, I think Fulmer's nickname is the Plumber. So you know, at least at least that's what I read online, and I don't I can't remember if it was Wikipedia or not. But but you know, the plumber I can get that because you know somebody gets the situation in trouble and and it's dirty and it smells and he's got to get deep in there and fix it. And I understand that. But pickles, I mean, is is the nickname? He either has to love pickles or he inherently gets you out of pickles or puts you in one. So it's 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 a fascinating nickname, don't you think? It is, and I think you also illuminate just the personalities of these guys. You know, they're they're far more than the players in between the lines. These guys are clubhouse presences, and it's the chemistry that, that, you know, usually elevates you from just being a contender to being somebody who actually wins ultimately. And I think it's that type of fun that they can have behind the scenes and relationships and personalities that they forge that I think really make a championship caliber club. But this, uh, with these Jays tonight, you know, they got, they got all those kids that everybody knows their dads with, uh, Vigio and Bichette and, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and stuff. So, uh, they're ballyhooed that way. And they, you know, I mean, they're, they're just weird to watch because they can go one run, two runs, 17, eight, then back to three. Uh, but nevertheless, this, um, uh, this Alex Manoa, uh, his most recent game against Kansas City was terrific. Likewise for the one against Seattle. Um, uh, but you know, he got touched up a little bit against Oakland and they're, they're, they're not a, a dynamite hitting team. So maybe he's not as dynamic now as he was, say, in May or June. But Alex Manoa, he, he's tough, isn't he? Well, you know, I, I think you just, you highlighted a lot of the star caliber player names on this team. Uh, and I'm not sure Alex Manoa gets enough credit for what he's achieved and what he's accomplished. He's, you know, on a pitching staff with a, a lot of uh, really strong veterans, some of whom have been signed to 
really lucrative deals. Alex Manoa may have emerged as the ace of the staff. And for any fan who got to watch uh, the All-Star game, uh, what a tremendous personality this guy has. Like his, his charisma and how dynamic he was on the mound when he was mic'd up and communicating with Alejandro Kirk, his, his catcher, or was it Trevino? At any rate, he was, it was just an amazing uh, just insight into how he thinks and his enthusiasm and how much he loves the game. It also happens to be paired up with tremendous ability. So this is going to be a really, really challenging series for our group. Uh, but I think one that will rise to the occasion too. You know, we, we went up to Toronto a little bit hamstrung and, and we're able to win a series there and we'd love to do the same, uh, treat them to the same here, but it's going to be great pitching matchups up and down. Uh, this series in a battle of two very productive offenses. Right, and and lastly, it, the, your old guy goes against your new guy tomorrow. Barrios at seven ten against a bunch of uh, or a fair amount of his former teammates, and Malley making his debut. That that's terrific. Yeah, there, there are just so many subplots to this series which are <laughs> exciting, and not the least of which is Barrios's return and. You know, to some extent, uh, you know, in Malley's acquisition, which was on the heels of, of us trading Burrios last year, there, there's a lot of similarities between the two pitchers. Both both were traded with a year and two months left on their on their contracts, and both are you know had really established themselves as really solid, you know, number twos, number ones in the game, and and so they're now they're going to be going head to head against each other. With I'm sure Burrios having a ton of emotions associated with facing his old team. Uh, we are incapable of having a conversation of fewer than 20 minutes. So uh, thank you for your time. I always, always enjoy it. And, and you're just very frontal and, and and honest with your answers. So I appreciate that. Uh, God bless you, my friend. Best of luck the rest of the season. And you know we'll be chatting again, okay? Great, great connecting with you, Paul. Look forward to a great stretch drive here with the Twins. Thank you, bud. That'll be GM for the Minnesota Twins. A Sky U Ma segment is on the fan. It's 11.30 in the Glove Coovie, and time for some bass in your face. Right, Mace? Two o'clock, Huntington Bank Stadium. Two days from now, uh, the Gophers have an open practice uh, with a game in uh, like three weeks and a piece. It's uh, There's a diaper drive and uh, much more, gophersports.com, for the information. But it got me, uh, for the conversation a couple of days ago with uh, the coach, P.J. Fleck, it got me thinking about uh, Sky Uma and off that nine-win season last year. Uh, Tanner Time is back at quarterback. Uh, the the beef-eating running back is back, and, and he's quite accomplished. Uh, the receivers are going to be good. There, there are going to be one or two receivers that pop up who are unbelievable. P.J. Fleck, a, a former receiver, and... And um, and offensively speaking, I mean that that's where his mind sways when it comes to leadership. Uh, but uh, you know whether it's um, uh, whether it's Boye Mafe or Otomowa or whomever they lost from their defense, you know that that's a uh, that's a different subject. And I just started thinking about Golden Gopher previews and and like what Athlon is writing and what Bow Hunter and Bow Hunting Burnsy is thinking and stuff like that. Uh, so Norda was kind enough uh, to take time to put together uh, kind of assemble what other people's opinions are of the Golden Gophers into the 2022 season and Big Ten season, and here they are. Absolutely. Now, I didn't use Bowhunting Burnsy because he's been on our station recently, 
And we're going to be hearing from him at the State Fair. Uh, he's probably got him on an 11-1 and season right now because much like us, he is a rube, roots for his teams to win every single game. Very good what he does, but go for illustrated.com. Uh, for all of Bo Hunting Burnsy's takes. More at-large related conversations starting here. College football news. There's up and down mixed beliefs in the faith of how the Gophers are going to endure the 2022 season. So I'll start here. College football news. Uh, Pete Futick. Yeah. He notes uh, an important note here. This is a great number in terms of season totals. We've been playing that game with NFL teams. Well, right now it's at seven and a half. For your Golden Gophers. So as written college football news, here we say, uh, under P.J. Fleck, the Gophers occasionally have this annoying habit, (laughs) this annoying habit, he says, of playing hard or working way too hard against mediocre non-conference teams. Sea Bowling Green. Sea Bowling Green. But he anticipates that there will be no Bowling Green-related affairs this year. He has Minnesota starting out 3-0 and in the non-conference season. And then you look at Purdue at Illinois, Nebraska. He mentions you want to get two wins out of that group, but he believes it might be just one between Purdue, Illinois, and Nebraska. Then he says at Michigan State, at Penn State, at Wisconsin, well, all three of those look like losses. And you got to beat Iowa at home for this program, which has been a problem. I think five straight losses uh, to the Hawkeyes. There's no Ohio State or Michigan to face, so there will be, uh, but will there be a loss that Minnesota shouldn't take? Look out for Rutgers, who is at Huntington Bank Stadium, uh, he believes. So seven wins has to be a given, he believes, for the Gophers under Fleck. He thinks that's a minimum bar at this stage of Fleck's tenure. That's a must, a minimum. Eight would be good. Nine would be fantastic. So you're going to find, again, a theme where they're sitting in that seven, eight, nine area. You mentioned Athlon Sports, by the way. Yeah. Here's what they have to say. The Gophers. Let's win 10. Let's vie for a Big Ten title game appearance opportunity mm-hmm. before we get beaten up by Michigan or Ohio State. Athlon Sports. Offense returns to form. They go in great detail. This Kirk Sharaka Tanner Morgan connection, that's the biggest summer talker, so to speak, for this Vikings or for this Gophers offense. Mo Ibrahim needing to be healthy, needing to be a star again. And you mentioned that defense and some losses that they need to replace. They got to replace four starters on defense, PA. Yeah. But Minnesota was in the nation's top ten in scoring defense, seventeen point three points per game allowed, and total defense. Top 10 in the country at 278 yards allowed per game. And then they ripped the kicker. Matthew Trickett, he only made 68% of his field goal. So Athlon's down on Trickett. Needs to be better. And they <laughs> I, got this. I, I just like the way you said that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a horse and name it Athlon's down on Trickett. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, and then they got like a 30-year-old Aussie punter, Mark yep. Crawford. 41 yards per punt. That needs to be better. Final analysis, here's what it says. The Gophers lost to Iowa for a fifth straight time last year. Getting past the Hawkeyes remains the biggest hurdle before Minnesota can put real designs on a Big Ten West championship. To get over that hump, they'll need to make strides in the passing offense, not slip too far defensively. Fleck had seven seasons of ascension at Western Michigan and Minnesota until 2020. They bounced back a year ago and will look to avoid it becoming a roller coaster with a second swoon in three seasons. Mm Mm-hmm. So, 7, 8, 9-ish. Okay. How about uh, what the Vegas people think? That total, 7.5, let's go to Vegas Insider. Dan Dobish or Dobish. 
Here's what he says. Non-conference schedule should be fairly easy for the first two games, although facing Bowling Green last season was also expected to be easy. Why does that keep being brought up? Big Ten opener at Michigan State in late September. That'll be a test for the jump. The good news is Michigan-Ohio State aren't crossover games for the Gophers. Most conference home schedules should be winnable. This is a bold team for sure, he says, with potential to win at least eight regular season games if star back Ibrahim is staying healthy and regains his pre-injury form. His best bet, Minnesota over seven and a half. Hell yeah, Dan Dovish. You can, with Tanner Morgan, I mean, you you can be like, he has his blemishes and he's not going to be a starter in the NFL. You you can formulate whatever opinion you want. He knows where the bones are buried. Hell yeah. And when you have a quarterback who knows his way around a gym, and and he and the coordinator, even though the coordinator returns, it's still not new. And and I'm just telling you, and I don't have any steam on this, but I am steamy on one defensive player for the Golden Gophers, I'll say for the end. Uh, there, there are going to be receivers outside of Ottman Bell and maybe Jackson who nobody has heard of. And they jump up, and they're just phenomenal because they're system guys, and they have athletic traits that complement the play action with with, with Ibrahim. So I, I just firmly believe that's going to happen. It happens every year. Let's go to two four seven Sports and Nick Costco game by game predictions. Love this two four seven Sports can't get enough of it Sky for the Yuma. Gophers. Sky Yuma. Uh, win, win, win. New Mexico State, the, the the fighting Jerry kills. Western Illinois, Colorado. So you start three and zero through non conference. Then he hits you with an L when you go to Michigan State. <laughs> now you beat Purdue October first. Okay, you're four and one. You're five and one as you win in Champaign against Illinois. Yeah. Then L. Now you're five and two because you lost at Penn State. It's going to be a tough game. Franklin squad's tough. Then you host Rutgers. That's a win. So now, what are you? You are six and two, seven and two because you go beat uh, Frosty's team in Lincoln. Then you win against Northwestern. Holy cats! Are we seven or eight and two? We are nine and two as we beat Illinois. Or excuse me, Iowa. Damn! They have us beating Iowa for the first time in a half decade. But then, order battle, games on the line. Madison, Thanksgiving weekend. L. So he has Nick Costco, two four seven sports. He has the Gophers finishing nine and three. But I love this note at the end of this. Yeah, this game clinches the Big Ten title game for the Badgers. <laughs> oh, nine and three. You lose the axe, and you aren't even going to Indy to hmm. get beat by forty by Ohio State. Love that. And finally. Uh, very solid number, according to Matt Joseph. So this is a separate article from Athlon. The seven and a half, seven to eight wins is where this team sits. And the focus, the obsession over Tanner Morgan continues. He had 10 touchdowns to nine picks last year. That can't ever happen again. Ibrahim in the backfield with Trey Potts. And you mentioned Chris Ottman Bell, another guy, I think it's Dalen Wright, that needs to jump up as well in the receiving core. Uh, Brevin Span Ford, bow hunting Burnsy's guy. It's like his, what, fourth year now, fifth year now? He's got an opportunity. So seven to eight wins seems to be the common theme of those on the outside looking in. And uh, either way, coming down to the Axe game November 26th, uh, the West is up for grabs. I have um, I have Gophers defensive steam, believe it or not, involving one player. Ooh. Speculation. That's what it is. So you're telling me there's a chance.
with Beanie Bishop, a corner transfer from Western Kentucky. Mm. Beanie Bishop, he's, he's, he's playing small places now, like 7th Street Entry, but maybe midway through the season we have all of his albums. So keep that in mind. Beanie Bishop. Yeah, this is going to be good, man, debuting against uh, the New Mexico State Aggies. AFC South, uh, Houston. Here we go. Hosting Indy. Oh, this is for me. Okay, loss. At Denver. Loss. At Chicago. Loss. At home against the Chargers. Loss. At Jacksonville. Win. That one is into the vibe. Out of the bye at Vague. Loss. At home against Tennessee. Win. Uh, at home against Philly. L. At the Giants. Win. At home against WFTWTF. Win. At Miami. L. At home against Cleveland. Win. At Dallas. L. At home against KC. L. At Tennessee. L. Home against Jax. Win. At Indy. L. Six wins. Their over under is four and a half. Ooh. You spot up on the over? I'd put them, I'd put a small to medium price on them going over four and a half. Got you. Uh, now uh, let's not only skate on over to the NHL. Uh, let's uh, let's roll on with these Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. Here we go. At Washington, win. At home against Indy, win. At LA Chargers, L. At Philly, L. Home against Houston, W. At Indy. W. Oh my God! Come on, let's go, Doug <laughs> Peterson. At, at at home against the Giants, win. There are five wins. Let's go. Home against uh, Russ. L. Uh, the final of three consecutive at home against Vegas. That's a win. At KC into the bye. L. Out of the bye at home against Lamar. L at the Motor City Kitties. L at Tennessee. L home against Dallas. L at the Jets. Win at the Texans. 
win. Home against Tennessee to close it up. L. I put them on eight. You got them on eight, <laughs> and their total is six and a half. So that's a smaller medium on the over, right? Yes. Now, I would not bet that, but I think they have a chance to be one of the most improved teams in the season. I truly do. Then why wouldn't you bet it? So, actually, I will go. I'll go a small over small. on that. Yeah. yeah. So, we got a dollar. Yeah, put a quarter on it. Have a good time. Maybe parlay it to something else. Why wouldn't you? Okay, let's uh, skate on over not only to the NHL, but uh, let's find Rat Mayan's team. Ooh, the Colts. Oh, wait. I started with the preseason games for these guys. I'm just kidding. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, and there they are. At Houston. Win. At Jacks. L. Home against Mahomes. L. Home against a Derrick Henry. Win. At Russ. L. Home against Jacksonville. L. At Tennessee. L. Home against WFTWTF. That's a win. At Belichick. Win. At Derek Carr. Ooh, L. Indianapolis uh, season total. Uh, let's go home against uh, Jalen Hurts. Win. Home against Mitch Trubisky. L. At Dallas into the bye week 13. L. Out of the bye week 15 at the Minnesota Vikings. L. Week 16, home versus Justin Herbert. Win. At the New York Giants. Win. Home against Houston. Win. Put them on eight. And their over-unders nine and a half. The overs minus 160. So the under comes back plus 140. And I'm going under because I think the Colts, I mean, you can bet all you want on Matt Ryan. I think they're having a a, a regressive year. I think so. I might put them in the Super Bowl. So is this a, <laughs> I'm not kidding, is this a medium or a large or what? Uh, it, I, it would be a medium bet on the under for me. Yep, under for 50 cents. And um, now, in closing, before we put a wrap on the shizzle, let's, uh, let's go to Todd Downing's. Tennessee Titans to close festivities. Sweet. With uh, Next Level Tanny. Let's see what old Next Level Tanny is up to. All right, here we go. Tennessee. Home versus Saquon Barkley. Win. At Buffalo. L. Home versus Devontae Adams. Win. At Indy. Win. At Washington. Into the bye. Win. Out of the bye, week seven, home against Indy. So they got Indy twice in three weeks. Ooh, uh, I'll give them a split on that, so then L. Okay. Uh, at Houston. Uh, that's a win. At KC. L. Home versus Jerry Judy. Win. At 12. <laughs> at 12. <laughs> week, week 11's Ballyhooed. L. <laughs> uh, home versus Joe Burrow. Ooh. I'm going to say win there. That's a tough-ass schedule. Uh, after that, at Philly. That's an L. Home versus Jacksonville. Win. At the L.A. Chargers. L. Tennessee Titans with three to go. Home versus something called Davis Mills. <laughs> That's a win. 
Uh, the penultimate home versus Dak. I'm going to say L there. Ak Ak Dak give Prescott a whack at um, at Shad Khan's team to finish it. Uh, that gives them ten wins as they finish the season with a W. Okay, and their season totals nine and a half. The under is minus one fifty. There would be no play there. Wasn't that fun? It it is fun. Isn't it pressure filled? It is. Isn't it fun when you go through Indianapolis and you say, "Yeah, they're going to beat Houston," and then you go through Houston and you say, "Yeah, they're going to beat Indy," and it's the same week. And none of it makes sense. I do it all the time, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, Friday football feast tomorrow. PA and Charge reuniting for the first time in three weeks. Nordo produces. Thank you very much for listening. Time to put a wrap on the shop. And thanks to Metropolitan Ford for sponsoring these glorious, amazing 9 to Noon show wraps, your truck superstore. Amen, brother. For you Grey Duck fans left to wonder, yes, they named a flavor after me, Nordic Thunder. I can only imagine that it's delicious. When enjoying them, of course, always be judicious. But earlier, heard a presser from KOC. It's how we roll 9 to Noon. It's our SOP. Sauce bought a Yankees cap in the NYC. Man, naughty by nature. You down with OPP? And big thanks to Twins boss, Thad Levine. Will they win a playoff game? Questions evergreen. Bringing all the optimism that I can muster in the sports talk world. PA's the king of the filibuster. And Charge, his Friday partner in crime, can think of any obscure sexual references here that rhyme. Two is not the loneliest number. In fact, it's prime. Summertime training camp, it's all sublime. I'm a maniac, maniac to the core. Podcast, today's Paul Allen Show. Or listen back to previous show and interviews by going to the iHeartRadio app or KFAN.com.